Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of Friday, July 22nd through, fri- through Sunday, July 24th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Uh, this episode is pretty late in the week, coming out on Friday. Um, so, you know, pretty far removed from the last weekend. But um, my dog, unfortunately, had a bit of a health scare, um, you know, over the weekend and into Monday that required a vet visit. And we've been mostly focused on keeping an eye on him. So um, luckily, he's been doing a little bit better the past couple of days. So um, apologies for the delay. But, you know, doggo definitely comes first. Um, anyway, movie news-wise, obviously, we have a lot to talk about with Nope and its debut. But before that, let's head back a week to Southern California, the San Diego Comic-Con, where, you know, the return of the in-person con, um, you know, in the summer slot, um, and a lot of, you know, news about upcoming films, particularly of the Marvel kind, but we'll we'll get there eventually. First up, on Thursday, uh, the Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves panel had the trailer release, which honestly looks a lot better than expected, um, and, and fairly authentic with, with you know, sor- being, being faithful to the source material, so... Uh, that one is scheduled to come out March 3, 2023, which is a very packed month, as we'll hear later in the episode. Uh, moving on to Saturday in the morning, we had DC and its panel. Now, apparently DC did not have a presence on the show floor, and the panel was focused on just two films, right? The 2022 films of, um, you know, Black Adam with The Rock, I believe, giving everyone in Hall H uh, tickets to see it on opening night, and then Shazam! Fury of the Gods getting its first trailer, um, which hits, has the same humor as the first one, which is I'm all for it. It'll be going up, you know, in the, in the same time frame against uh, um, Avatar 2, so we'll see how that ends up doing, though. I'm, I'm rooting, rooting for this one more than any other film, I think, that that time period. Um, the 2023 films that they didn't mention are, of course, uh, Aquaman 2, um, with, uh, um, you know, with apparently earlier this week was confirmed that uh, Ben Affleck would be coming back as the Batman uh, for that, um, apparently because of the delay of The Flash coming out also in 2023. Um, you know, the whole Michael Keaton coming into the universe and whatnot is, uh, had to be rewritten. That, that, that's the rumor that I heard. Um, but in any case, obviously, I, it's kind of obvious why uh, DC didn't really want to have that strong a presence for these films uh, with what what with Amber Heard and Ezra Miller kind of being uh, at the forefront of these films. Well, as Amber Heard a little bit less, but definitely Ezra Miller, um, which, you know, I don't think they wanted that press and attention for that. Uh, that being said, you know, obviously there were a bunch of other TV panels as well, Star Trek and, and uh, Lord of the Rings and House of Dragons and all, which, you know, this is a box office, so I'm not going to talk about those. But coming on Saturday evening, uh, we have the big kahuna, the Marvel panel. Um, so, you know, just going through the highlights real quick, uh, they confirm that the current phase, phase four, uh, is the first part of the three-phase series, uh, with the first three phases being uh, the, you know, ending with Endgame being the Infinity Saga. This one is going to be the Multiverse Saga. Um, phase four is going to be ending uh, with Black Panther uh, later this year, um, and, and we got the first trailer for that one. Which you know, uh, the music was definitely good, and it confirmed the debut of Riri Williams as Ironheart, um, as well as Namor the Atlantean. Um, personally, I was a little bit underwhelmed by this trailer. I mean, you know, definitely I can see where people are coming from. It's very emotional tribute to Chadwick Boseman and all that. And like I said, the the, the choice of music was really great. Um, I think I'm just personally very nervous about who. Will Will end up inheriting the mantle of Black Panther, um, and until I get confirmation that it's not going to be Shuri, um, for various reasons, uh, I, I can't find myself getting really invested in this film. Um, on the TV side of things, keeping it quick, uh, Seahawk Attorney at Law got another trailer, uh, and then there's also going to be the Halloween and Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special coming out uh, at the end of this year uh, to, for a part of Phase Four. 
Uh, moving to Phase 5 in next year, it kicks off in 2023 with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, February 17, 2023. Uh, it debuts uh, Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang, um, uh, you know, uh, Stature, uh, which is the child of uh, uh, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, and then Jonathan Majors, uh, you know, first film, big screen debut as Kang the Conqueror. So, um, you know, there's also rumors that I think Bill Murray is supposed to be in there, I think, at some point. Um, was that another film? Um, but in any case, that's the first film for, for Phase 5. Um, there are other Phase 5 films that we kind of knew about already. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming in May 5, 2023. Um, this panel, will, the panel also including some of the original Guardian members, uh, features Will Poulter as Adam Warlock and then Borat Maria Bakalova voicing Cosmo the Dog. Um, we also have uh, Chukwudi Iwuji as the High Evolutionary coming in co- in costume to the panel. Um, and then also the, the movie will apparently focus on a baby rocket raccoon as well as the reunion of Gamora and Peter Quill. Um, presumably this will be the last iteration of the Guardians as it currently stands. Um, so, you know, there may be some sad send-offs uh, here. Uh, and then, you know, also known for Phase 5 was uh, July 28, 2023's The Marvels, starring Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel from the TV show, and Monica Rambeau, as well as Nick Fury, of course. Um, we knew that was coming. Um, and then we also knew that a Blade film was coming, uh, starring Marsha Salah Ali, but that one got dated for November 3rd, 2023. Um, I think the rumor here is that it's going to feature um, uh, Kit Harrington's character of the Black Knight from the Eternals soaring up in here as well, um, which, I, which I believe uh, Ali soaring up in the post or voice sewing up in the post credit scene of the eternal so that's november 3rd 2023 so that's already what four films uh for 2023 um, new films moving into 24 for Phase 5 uh, includes Captain America New World Order, set on May 3rd, 2024, presumably led by Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, formerly known as the Falcon. Um, the new uh, the title suggests that maybe there might be some conspiracy theory sub-theme afoot here. Um, and then the last film of Phase 5 uh, will be the Thunderbolts, which in the comics are a group of anti-heroes, kind of like the Suicide Squad, not quite as comedic, um, directed by Jake's, and this film will be directed by Jake, Jake Schreier. Uh, my guess from the MCU who they have so far would be a combination of Baron Zemo, Yelena Belova, Ghost, Taskmaster, Abomination, U.S. Soldier, and Winter Soldier, though of course none of that is confirmed. But again, that will be the final film of Phase 5, putting Phase 5 at six films total. However, that's not all for Phase 5. There's also a bunch of Disney Plus television series. Uh, we have Secret Invasion on, September, on Spring 2023, featuring the Nick, Nick Fury and the Squirrels. Um, Echo uh, on 20, Summer 2023, which is a spinoff of Hawkeye. Uh, Loki Season 2 coming Summer 2023 as well. Um, Ironheart, uh, starring Williams from Black Panther 2, will be in Fall 2023. And then Daredevil Born Again in Fall 2023 will reprise Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Ofrino as from the Netflix series as Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk for 18 episodes, so you know Marvel Street uh, Street level heroes, um, and then we also have Agatha. Agatha, Coven of the Chaos, uh, from Winter 2023 into 24, which is a spinoff of WandaVision. So that's, what, f- six films, and then uh, one, two, three, uh, four, five, six television series. So it's 12 projects in Phase, three, in phase 5. And then to top it off, we also got a peek into Phase 6 uh, on November 8th, 2024 with Marvel's First Family. Um, this is the already announced Fantastic Four movie. Um, no director yet has been announced here, though you know, presumably bringing back Marvel's First Family will be a big deal. There are a number of other projects uh, dated uh, on the timeline. No, no confirmation which ones were films or television series, but two more for fall 2024. Presumably, I'm guessing one will be a movie, so 
you know, put that up to another four films uh, in, uh, oh, sorry, no, November 2023, 8-2024 means, uh, I guess that, that would be three films for 2024. Um, and then, uh, unless one of those ends up being another one. Uh, and then two winter 2024-2025 projects, two spring 2025 projects, and then two summer 2025 projects as well. Um, that said, we also have the wrap-up of the Multiverse Saga with two Avenger-level films within six months of each other. Uh, in May, 2020, May 2nd, 2025, we'll have Avengers The Kong Dynasty. And then November 7th, 2025, will be Avengers Secret War, which, if you know the comic book material, will be the... will will have... Uh, Doctor Doom as like kind of the big villain here. So presumably the other eight projects, film and television series, will be announced in D23 in September um, and feature the already announced uh, Armor Wars from a couple of years ago, from last year, I believe, uh, follow-ups to Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, uh, Doctor Strange, the Eternals, possibly Deadpool or X-Men projects, and the Young Avengers project that they're building up to um and who knows what else you know uh, we did get confirmation earlier this week that destin daniel credden the director of shang chi and the upcoming sequel has been tapped to direct the kong dynasty avengers movie which in my mind makes sense since spider-man aside uh shang chi is the only mcu film of phase four to have gotten an a cinema score so far the highest of the phase uh so they definitely i think want to lock him in early doesn't look like he's going to be doing the second film since the russo brothers uh interviews have said that they kind of regret doing two films so there's a chance another person will be directing uh, the fourth the, the other uh, Secret Wars film so all this information out there, you know, my reaction to this is, you know, I got to be honest, this is pretty overwhelming to keep me up with as far as it was being announced. Maybe I'm just a film guy more than a TV guy. I mean, like the only real Marvel uh, television series I've watched is WandaVision and in anticipation for Doctor Strange. Um, and it's just the sheer quantity of MCU stuff makes it hard to really get invested in any of them. It kind of dampens my enthusiasm more than hypes it up. Not to be an old fogey, but, you know, when the when I was like, when I was younger, you know, when, when the MCU was underway, Say after, but you know, seriously, going back to when the MCU post the first Avengers movie, right? And, and this is going into like I believe phase two or so. Um, you'll be able to keep up with the MCU going to the movies once every six months or so. You you had two films a year. 2013 to 2016. Um, 2017, they upped the ante. They started going every four months or three times a year. And then after a brief hiatus from Endgame and probably also due to the pandemic, um, looking from 2021 onward, they are planning on releasing three to four films a year, depending on when Sony wants to release their movie. So that gets, you know, getting more and more frequent on the film side, which, you know, I could still manage, right? Uh, people, you know, they say that people go to the movies like once, you know, four times a year on average uh, for the average American. So, you know, that would pro- for a lot of people would probably end up being you know, the Marvel films. Um, however, when you throw in all the TV projects, you now have 12 projects in Phase 5, and Phase 6 looks like it's going to have 11 projects. Both of those are about a year and a half long, right? Phase 5 from early 2023 through mid-2024, and then Phase 6 from mid-2024 through the end of 2025. Uh, in comparison, when things were filmed only, Phase 3 had 11 projects, but that was over three years. So, you know, same amount of projects over uh, over ha- over half over twice the time period we're getting now. Not to mention, you know, television shows are usually two to three times the length of a total film in airtime, air so that's just a lot more to just sit down and watch right um and you know i mean it's hard it it feels hard for me to get invested at this point if i wasn't already invested the tv the movies would already i think be a lot to try to get into Um, but the the television shows on top of that is just you know feels like it's homework more than anything else at this point 
And I mean, I get it, right? Disney is under the prerogative to make Disney Plus a success as one of the most potent, uh, a success and one of the most potent arrows in their quiver is, you know, using the MCU to fill that gap. You know, their incompetence not only against other streaming services, but for other forms of entertainment like TikTok and YouTube and all that to get and try to monopolize your time. You know, rather than try to keep things spaced out, they want there to always be a reason for you to stay subscribed to Disney Plus from month to month, you know, instead of, you know, oh, it's coming on this, like the, the film's coming on now, okay, I'll subscribe, I'll watch a bunch of movies, and then I'll unsubscribe for the rest of the year, right? They want there to be appointment watching where every week you're coming to watch over a period of time. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the plan with Disney Plus. I mean, you know, for me personally, again, it's a chore that came up with the MCU more than a joy. I mean, for the time being, I'm probably not going to pay much attention to the television series at all. Um, I didn't even talk about, you know, the the animated series that there was a whole separate panel about, like, Spider-Man freshman year and another series of What If. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm honestly going to be planning on, on canceling my Disney Plus subscription at the end of the year. Um, I had kept it for another year in the hopes that we would get anime, but that doesn't look to be the case, at least here in the West. But yeah, I mean, it would just be a same if somebody who doesn't have the time, the energy, they watch all the television series, could, couldn't enjoy the critical line movie plot in coming years, which is where I find myself. So uh, I know I don't know. We'll see how how they manage it uh, in the upcoming years. I mean, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is like my favorite sub franchise, I guess, of the MCU, and that's that's wrapping up soon. Um, you know, curious to see what they end up doing, you know, with Doctor Doom and, and the X-Men and how they how they bring them in. And of course, Shang-Chi is, is something I'm super interested in as well. But, you know, well, it, it's hard. It, it, we'll, we'll see. I think that's, that's my big takeaway, right? And, and obviously, we have D23 coming in September. So that'll be another thing to see where they're going with the MCU uh, moving forward. In any case, let's turn to the box office news for this past week. So in first place, we have Jordan Peele's newest film from Universal, sci-fi horror film Nope, uh, opening to $44.3 million in 3,785 theaters for a per theater average of $11,722. Now that's a bit low end of things uh, on the forecast from Box Office Pros, which had it at about $40 to $60 million. Uh, still, it is the highest opening weekend of an original screenplay film since Jordan Peele's last film, Us, which opened to $71 million in 2019, uh, I think off of the hype uh, of uh, his success with Get Out a couple years prior. Now, notably as this, this is, is releasing under Universal, it is subject to their new theatrical window rule with theaters, uh, namely that if a film opens under $50 million opening weekend, that Universal can release it 17 days later on VOD, while those that open above $50 million have a minimum of 31-day theatrical window. So does this 44 million opening mean that we will see Nope on VOD in uh, August? Uh, in August, uh, in my opinion, Nope. Uh, you know, while they certainly do have the option to do so, I don't think they will. I think partly because I think Jordan Peele uh, has a little bit of sway with with Universal, and they want to keep him happy. Um, but you know, I think on top of that, um, you know, between uh, you know decent reviews and and Jordan Peele's brand name, I think they think it'll probably have some legs. I mean, like I said, forty four million is still a great opening for a horror R rated film. Uh, looking at all R rated films, this is the top forty of all time, similar to where Mad Max Fury Road opened uh, as a as a point of comparison. You know, while it doesn't quite match up to get out of on tomato scores of you know 98% critics, 86% audience, a minus cinema score, uh, Nope does do pretty decently with a you know uh, a B cinema score, good for, good for horror films, 82 critics and 70 audience. Uh, Us, in comparison, had a higher critic score of about 93%, but lower audience score of about 60%, and also a B cinema score. 
Now, while I haven't seen the film myself, reviews suggest that you know it doesn't have the same you know biting racial social commentary as Jordan Peele's first two films, and that may impact its overall cultural capital. Uh, in any case, as far as predicting how much this one will make, Get Out had a stunning 5.27x multiplier, especially since it opened in February. Uh, us did a more modest 2.46 multiplier. Um, both films had about a 70% market share for domestic versus uh, international. So, with those in mind, you know, say. Um, a $44 million opening with a 2.5x multiplier for conservative uh, gives us about $110 million domestic and a worldwide total of $157 million or so. Now, given the film had a $68 million reported production budget, that break-even point comes out to about $170 million or so. So, uh, you know, a 2.5x multiplier domestic would be a little bit short, but that also, also doesn't include home sales. Now, in this film's failure, which would probably push it above a 2.5x multiplier, is that aside from Bullet Train in a couple of weekends, there is no obvious blockbuster competition for months, frankly speaking. So, you know, fun facts. So, uh, so you know, that, that, that I think that's in its favor to have a little bit longer leg, say maybe 3 or even 3.5x. Uh, also, fun fact, so far, uh, Jordan Peele's first two films both ended at $175 million domestic. In order to do so, nope, we need to have a stellar 3.9x multiplier, which might be a bit of a stretch, but we'll see. Uh, in second place, Thor Love and Thunder dropped 52% in week 3, which is not a great sign, uh, to 22.5 million in 4,370 theaters for a per theater average of 5,162 and a running domestic total of 276.6 million. Overseas, it made 321 million for a total of 597 million worldwide, just shy of 600 million. Uh, as of this past Sunday, it's probably past that by the point, some point earlier this week. Um, at this rate, it'll probably end up in the $700 million range globally by the end of its run. Um, honestly, if you look at it at Thor Ragnarok's numbers, um, excluding China and excluding Russia, you know, it should end first off domestically in the same range as 315 million or so domestically. Um, and then worldwide, while Thor Ragnarok made 850 million worldwide, uh, 112 of that was China and another 23 million from Russia. So taking those out for various for because uh, Thor Love and Thunder isn't soaring in those countries officially, um, that would put the worldwide total for the, for Thor Ragnarok to about 715 million, which is right about where Thor Love and Thunder will end up. So again. I don't think Thor Love and Thunder is the big disappointment everyone thinks it is. It's obviously clearly not like a billion-dollar film like some people were hoping and then got hyped about. But if you look at it as just like another film and, you know, Marvel maintaining the same level of success, I think that's the case. Obviously, people always want bigger, bigger, bigger films. But sometimes you just got to accept that, hey, we're keeping steady and, and keeping things uh, moving, especially considering, you know, there's an economic recession on the way. Um, in any case, third place uh, for this weekend went to Minions Rise of Gru, dropping a pretty solid 33% in week four to 18 million in 3,816 theaters for a per theater average of 4,727, running the domestic total of 298 million, soon to be $300 million domestic, uh, the first animated film uh, post COVID to do so. Uh, overseas, it's made 349 million for a 647 million total as of Sunday, uh, definitely pacing ahead of Minions 3 by about 10 million or so domestic as of this weekend, which again puts it on pace to be another billion dollar film for Illumination. Uh, fourth place went to Where the Crawdads Sing in its second week and dropping a respectable 40% to 10.3 million in 3,650 theaters for a per theater average of 2,838 and a running domestic total of 38 million or about 42 million worldwide. Uh, closest comparison looks like 2016's Girl on a Train, which made 75 million after 11 weekends domestically. Right now, it's pacing about 8 million behind that, so call it maybe 70 million by the end of its run, which would be a little bit sort of a break even point for its $43 million production budget. 
Rounding out the top five, just barely sold of Quad Ads is Top Gun Maverick with a 17% drop in week nine, making 10.2 million, only about 87K separating the two uh, in 3,160 theaters for a per theater average of 3,250 and a domestic total of 635 million. Uh, 635 million. Uh, overseas, it sits at 1.24 billion worldwide. Uh, looking at the all time charts, it's moved into number nine on the domestic chart and should definitely end up past Titanic number seven with $69 million by the end of its run. Uh, if it can get past $678 million, it'll be Avengers and Infinity War at number six. And then it'll be a question of it can, if it can get $700 million and beat Black Panther. Uh, worldwide, it's at number 17 all time, beating Jurassic World Fallen Kingdoms $1.3 Between Jurassic World Fallen Kingdoms $1.3 billion and Beauty and the Beast. Um, other fun stats, it's had nine weekends above $10 million, which is the most of any film since Avatar, which had nine weekends above $20 million. Um, if it can make $7.9 million next weekend, weekend 10, it'll be the only film to have a top 10 second weekend, a top 10 third weekend, top 10 fourth weekend, and so on through a top 10 tenth weekend ever. Um, it's also the only film with at least $100 million opening to hit a 5x multiplier, currently sitting at 5.02, which is a little bit more higher to climb. Um, it somehow went from only the 41st highest opening ever to somewhere in the 5th to 7th highest domestic total ever. So, I mean, Top Gun Maverick is clearly the box office story of the year so far. Uh, outside the top five, um, Elvis had a solid 18% drop in uh, in week five. Uh, Pause of Fury uh, in week two dropped 35%, which isn't terrible for a kid's movie, but, uh, you know, it, it, it had a pretty terrible start, so it only has made $13 million so far domestically. Uh, Marcel, the cell with Suzon, sadly hasn't really broken out with its 590 590-theater expansion in Week 5, having a per-theater average of only $1,482. Uh, overall, total box office this weekend was $126 million. Uh, this coming weekend, there are two wide releases. Uh, first is going to be DC League of Super Pets from Warner Brothers with 4,200 locations. Box Office Post has it on the forecast for a 31 million opening weekend, which would be good for number one, uh, with currently 75 critics score on Rotten Tomatoes um, as the time of that I wrote this, though it looks like based on Thursday previews, it might open south of $20 million, so we'll see. Um, a smaller project that is likely to open to $2.3 billion in 998 theaters, according to, to Box Office Pros, uh, is, is um, Vengeance, uh, which is a mystery comedy uh, podcast uh, podcast uh, inspired uh, a movie about this guy who goes on a podcast journey to figure out what happened to this girl he was hooking up with who got killed. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of a weird one. Um, and then also worth noting, Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, is getting a re-release this coming weekend with an extra eight minutes of outtakes. Not Nothing for the actual film, but outtakes um, as well as a special message from the directors. Probably to take advantage of a relatively quiet weekend and to keep it in the consciousness as awards season gets ever closer. Uh, speaking of everything everywhere all at once, overseas, some sources are putting at its numbers at $100 million or so, which is a great landmark, though. It's also not 100% current by my source, though you know it is pretty close to that number. It would be great to see it get that number worldwide. Um, over, otherwise, not too much news internationally aside from Russia movies, uh, increasingly pirate movies, uh, as sanctions continue. Um, also in Korea, Top Gun Maverick has surpassed Doctor Strange as the most admissions of the year uh, from Hollywood at 6 million total admissions. And in Japan, Indian film RRR got the release date of October 21. Also out of Cannes, uh, Hunt, which is a film from Squid Game actors uh, Lee Jung-jae, has gotten distribution in 200 territories. 
Uh, over in China, the top film was Detective vs. Sleuth, making 14.2 million in its third weekend, up to 96.3 million total. Uh, Lighting Up the Stars in its fifth weekend made 11.6 million in second place for a $230 million total. And then Mozart from Space came in third place with 6.4 million for a 43.8 million total for its second weekend. Um, meanwhile, Jurassic World Dominion is again top grossing Hollywood film at seven weekends total, uh, making 2.6 million this weekend and hitting one, one, 152.8 million in the region to date. Uh, looking ahead, The Lost City from Paramount, uh, starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, uh, is getting a belated China release uh, for this coming weekend. It sits at 183 million worldwide, so uh, the performance about 17 million or so would be able to push it over the 200 million worldwide mark. Uh, beyond the numbers on the movie, uh, we have some stuff on the movie date side and a couple of updates. Uh, going by studio Paramount pushed the Quiet Place spin-off Quiet Place Day 1, directed by Michael Sarnowski, from September 22, 2023 to March 8, 2024. Um, they also pushed the upcoming John Krasinski-directed film starring Lionel Reynolds from November 17, 2023 to May 24, uh, 2024. Um, and then the animated feature Tiger's Apprentice, starring which is adapting Lawrence Yep's fantasy novel of the same name is pushed from December 20, 2023 to January 19, 2024. Um, also, apparently, they're going to be doing distribution for Indian film Lal Singh Chada, which is a Hindi language film that's a remake of Forrest Gump, uh, coming to the States August 11th. Um, they're also pushing the 25th anniversary of Titanic from October 21 of this year back to February 10, 2023. Uh, my guess is to try to take advantage of the Valentine's Day weekend. Uh, over on Sony's side of thing, Insidious 5 from Blumhouse and Sony has been dated for July 7, 2023 release, about five years after the last one. Uh, Russell Crowe is going to be starring in a film called The Pope's Exorcist, set for April 7, 2023. And then a couple films being moved around. A Man Called Otto has been moved up from Christmas this year by a couple weeks to December 14th. Um, in 2023, uh, George Foreman biopic is pulled up from April 7 to uh, March 31st. Um, and then the delayed Adam Driver sci-fi film 65 is being pushed back two weeks from April 14th to April 28th. Um, on the Marvel side of things, they are pushing back Dakota Fanning-led uh, Madame Webb film from July 7th back to October 6th next year, uh, the Venom uh, time, time release slot. Um, and then that also pushes an untitled Sony Marvel film from October 6th, 2023 back to June 7th, 2024. Um, I also thought I'd cover this before, but it was just a rumor then apparently, but officially MGM is pushing back Creed 3 out of the November 23, uh, 2022 release date back to March 3, 2023, uh, now completing against the aforementioned Dungeons & Dragons film. Uh, then there's no date on this one, but over on Warner Brothers, the Mortal Kombat sequel is a, is a go with director Simon McCord returning. Given the success on HBO Max as the most uh, viewed film during the pandemic during its opening weekend, even if it didn't have the box office success, um, it's not a total surprise this one got greenlit. And then this one's more on the Oscar side of things, but Martin Scorsese's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon from Apple TV Plus and Paramount was speculated to maybe make a run for this year's award season, but it looks like the editing process is taking a lot longer than expected, um, you know, or I guess as expected as it would with Scorsese, um, and it's looking more and more likely it'll be a 2023 Cannes debut, meaning that Oscar-wise, a ton of spots opens up uh, for this uh, year's race. Uh, in the meantime, though, it looks like Will Smith's Apple TV Plus film Emancipation may be pushed out later this year, though I'm skeptical it'll do well at the awards season given the association with Will Smith and all the Oscar drama and fresh in our collective minds. 
Uh, speaking of Apple TV, though, on the streaming side, Lightyear will be hitting uh, Disney Plus on August 3rd, uh, making a 45-day theatrical window off of its June 17th release date, same as Multiverse of Madness. Assuming that pattern holds, Thor 11 Thunder and uh, should come out August, about August 24th or so. Uh, also on Disney Plus, Deadpool and Logan head to Disney Plus as the first R-rated films on the streamer. And then looking over at Netflix, it looks like they are confirming a sequel for their latest film, The Gray Man, with Ryan Gosling and the Russell Brothers, as well as a spin-off movie from uh, the Deadpool writers. Uh, despite less than stellar review from critics, though, the 91% audience score on Rotten Tomato, and I'm guessing great streaming numbers, uh, I guess uh, more than makes up for the huge budget of these films. Uh, that said, another report suggests that they are going to be plateauing the content spend at about $17 billion or so for the next few years annually, um, instead of trying to grow it as they have in the past few years. And then again, speaking of financials, it looks like they are testing out an extra home fee in Latin America in an attempt to see if there is if there was a way to lock down uh, password sharing and such and extract just a little bit more money from consumers. As usual, the internet is outraged, but hey, what else is new? And then the last bit of interesting news, it looks like the rights for the Tomb Raider film franchise that MGM was holding on to have expired. Uh, they apparently had until May of this year to greenlight a new movie, and they haven't done so yet, so now there's a bidding war as the rights go back to producer Graham King and GK Films. At one point, Lovecraft Country showrunner uh, Misa Green was attached to direct a sequel starring Alicia Vikander, but that seems to have fallen through and in any future films will be a complete reboot with a new actress and new director. Uh, but with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Again, apologies for the delay. Uh, hopefully, my doggo is doing a little bit better next week. Uh, we do have uh, DC League of Super Pets this coming weekend, which isn't the biggest weekend. So uh, depending on how the numbers look, uh, you know, I'll, I'll still be there, but I won't maybe have as much urgency. And in any case, you can shoot me ideas for what else I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zealand.com or on Twitter at B-O-Watchpodcast. Or suits on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, or at the very least, share it with a friend. Any of that helps. Uh, numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com. Intro and outro music from Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.millmusic.io. Editing and production by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on.